Hello, welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast where we share stories, insights and strategies that go beyond some of the numbers we encounter in our work life. I'm Susan Lee-Trivon. I work with organisations who put people first. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. And together with my guests, we place a lens on and focus in on the people side of work life. Because we know that it is people who do the work, not numbers. And if we are treated well, we will perform well and might even generate better numbers. I am delighted to be joined by Ella Clark. Ella, you are so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thank you, Susan. I'm delighted to be here too. And as we record this, it is the beginning of a new year. And oftentimes, I suppose, new year, it's time to reflect and look ahead as well and think about, right, what am I going to do this year? What am I going to get right? Am I going to balance something? Am I going to improve something? But what about leaving room for the element of surprise, Ella? Yes, well, this is really interesting. And I got into this during lockdown because we were having such sort of flat lives. And I kept reading about languishing. And it occurred to me that we were missing that element of surprise. And what, what did surprise do to our lives? So when you look into it, surprise adds that sort of, obviously, element of surprise, but it does more than that. It takes your brain on a little journey and you go through, you you start thinking about things, it fires you up. I mean, I think it actually says when you have an MRI scan, it lights up your brain, this, this area of your brain like a Christmas tree. And it also fires off dopamine, which is one of the drugs, the happiness drug, and a drug that keeps us motivated as well, our own little chemical score. So in terms of surprise, putting you, shifting your mindset and putting you into a bit more of a positive outlook, it's, it's really, really fascinating. It is, isn't it? And what surprises us, I suppose? You, know? you can't mm. go looking for it either, can you? Or can no. you? Well, this is, this is the other thing. We're, we're sort of used to managing surprise. So we might manage surprise as it goes along. But the lockdown situation, we just weren't doing things. So it was trying to get those natural surprises in. So that's why the idea of going on walks, getting into nature and suddenly seeing something. Right? You know, you might suddenly see a seal in a cove and that's a massive surprise. And you'd get that natural sort of the antidote to languishing you know through nature but also you'd get this surprise and the dopamine and the happiness chemicals so it was a win-win situation so yes you can actually think how can I get more surprise in my life it's really interesting what you say about nature actually because well through Christmas here in Oxford we had grey skies pretty much every day it was low light gray skies and everything and yesterday I went out for a walk and saw the most glorious sunset and it just changed everything I mean it was such a surprise and even though the sun sets every single day (laughs) the light everything about it just did what you're saying Yes. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And so there are other little ways you can create your own sort of surprise or your own sort of happy chemicals. You might, for instance, if you're going to work, you you get off a stop earlier, a stop later. You try a different route to walk, 
walk, whatever you try and do, just mix it up a bit. And that keeps your brain firing, looking for these little rewards that, that keep you stimulated and stop you feeling flat and languishing. And as we know, languishing is really a code word for starting to feel a little depressed. And that's something that we all need to look at, particularly now that with mental health being so sort of on the agenda. Yeah, so, so add some surprise into your life or get out there and give people some surprises. You know, go around with that bunch of flowers, cook a meal for them, um, and that will do far more than telling them you're going to do something because you've got the added element in there. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And we're not used to doing that. I think we like to plan everything, but that's so nice. Just turn up on someone's doorstep and or invite them around for dinner. Cool. And easy to do. Well, once where we can move freely again, of course. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But there are some surprises that may not be so welcome. Well, absolutely. And this is where this is an interesting topic, really, around reframing, because, for example, a lot of people, myself included, were during lockdown. Some people made redundant and all their jobs shifted and changed career transitions. Again, this is surprise. And some people, it may actually have a negative effect and they may have negative associations. So, again, if you can think, right, this is a surprise, I'm going to re reframe this and I'm going to shift my thinking and think what opportunity does this bring now I'm sure there'll be people out there who will roll their eyes in horror at this Um, (laughs) we've all been in situations where it is a bad situation let's just suck it up however there is a silver lining every situation has a silver lining so to try and reframe it and yes I've been made redundant but actually I've been doing this role for so many years and I've always wanted to go on a sabbatical go and volunteer take some time out with the children to do xyz whatever there is always an opportunity and it's a very stoic philosophy Um, And looking at life sort of existentially, really, this is happening around me. I can't control it, but what can I do to make the most of this opportunity? Yeah, and I often think as well, Ella, when it comes to work, for example, and, you know, this is a lot about work and what makes work life more fulfilling. But for a lot of people, their identity is very much tied up into their work. And so if something like your job is taken away from you, then it speaks to the core, perhaps, of who you think you are. Absolutely. This is really an important point, actually, because people, you're right, you know, for example, people in the professions, particularly the caring professions, it's very much tied up in who they are. They aren't just a nurse. They aren't just a doctor. That is their personality. That's their identity. It's not just a role. The issue here is when that's taken away from them or when they realise they can't do this role is what is their identity underneath that? Who actually are they and how do they continue without that identity and that purpose in life that's been really focused on on one role? So how? Well, there's a very good expression, actually. Now, a lot of people, we've used the expression, you know, the glass ceiling, leaning in, lots of all these different expressions. The one that I love at the moment is uh, pivot. And you can pivot intentionally and you can think, right, I'm going to reframe this. I'm going to pivot and I will look at my identity and I will look at everything about my identity and I will create a role and an identity that actually suits me because you're not just one fixed identity. I think this is the thing that people sometimes it's it's great to help people understand actually is that this one big career throughout life 
it's a bit of a myth. We've got hybrid careers, hybrid working, flexible careers, portfolio career. We can have different careers, different identities. And there's a lot now about multi-potentialites. And I read a thing and it was uh, on TED, actually, people can look it up. And it's multi-potentialites with Emily Watnick. It's a really interesting way to reframe. You're not just good at one thing for the rest of your life. You can have different things you're equally good at. You can sort of start again and be just as good. And that is your new identity. Or it's not even a new identity. It's just revealing a different identity. Absolutely. And that's what's so interesting. When I was uh, leaving my last job and trying to decide what I wanted to do next, and I had all sorts of ideas, somebody shared that TED talk with me about multi-potentialite. And it is a really different way of, of looking at things. And yeah, because we do want to hang on to one thing that we think we're good at. And one of the things that motivates us is mastery. And so if you want to master one thing, it's hard to think that you could master several things. And I totally agree. And I think that isn't one of life's pinnacles of achievements to master something. But reframing again, or, or sort of looking at this in a different way, you're also mastering different skill sets and different aptitudes and different character traits. So it's really just, again, looking at these carefully. What are your values? What are your strengths? What is your skill set? And how can you wrap these up? We talked uh, at one time about the power of three, and this is a really good sort of way to help. Just do a quick exercise and think of the three things that you love. Think of three fantastic skills you have and look at their intersection, where they sort of come together. Is there a career that you could follow with that? And invariably, you've become quite good at this. You've mastered this already. So it's not too much of a leap to start again. And you're quick. You're a multi-potentialite. are very quick. Uh, they're good at absorbing information. They're good at going forward and using their skills. So if you're feeling, I've got to try and sort one big career out, otherwise I'm a failure, I'm too flaky or indecisive, that's not the case. You're possibly a multi-potentialite and you've got everything going for you. And the other thing I think what you said earlier is it's about creating. Yes. Isn't it? It, it? You don't have to follow the beaten track or the worn track or the career ladder you can create yes. something that works for you. Yes, absolutely. And I was I was thinking of a metaphor because I love my metaphors and storytelling. And, you, you know, the expression, you're a round peg in a square hole pops up. And that's useful. Does the cultural fit work for me as an organisation? Am I actually, do I need to get out of this culture? Is it not actually right? And people might struggle to look for their square hole. And actually, if you could see yourself as more of a multifaceted diamond, you can actually create your own space in life. You are strong enough. You've got the strength within you to create your own space in life and look for a role that will suit you. That is such a beautiful image. A multifaceted <laughs> diamond, sparkling. <laughs> Yeah. Help other people sparkle and shine too if you know what lights you up, I guess. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing why it does when you can see it visually and you can if you see yourself like a diamond, you know, and you can think, well, maybe I'll angle myself this way, or maybe I'll dust down one of my facets or polish it up. And I haven't gosh, I haven't used that for a long time. I'd love to use that. That would be purposeful, 
that would give me purpose in life that would give me some meaning gosh why haven't I done that for a long time and it's it's about this creating lots of people myself included we wake up you know the classic midlife crisis oh my gosh should I be doing this how did I get up here how did I get into this role I ended up doing financial communications for large corporates now that's what you did that's what I did okay yes Yes. And you ended Um, up, you said, so that wasn't what you set out to do. No, I don't know how I ended up. I mean, I'm very adaptable. I'm very flexible. And so I took opportunities when they came along, but I didn't necessarily think intentionally about it. And I didn't take any breathing space. So I think a lot of people can do this. And it's, it's not exactly sleepwalking through life, but it's it's ending up somewhere where you think, hang on. I've actually got a huge amount of skills and experience and I want to do this. Let's take the time out. And I've still got 30, 50, however many years. Let's do, let's work for a different phase and let's create something that will actually work for me intentionally. So when you found yourself or woke up Mm. as a financial communications person, what, what was next? What unfolded from that? So I, I did realise this, I had this epiphany, and basically I was one of the classic people that start to have a bit of a burnout situation. But I ended up in a cardiac ward with some sort of unknown classification, and I'm pretty sure it's due to stress, and I'm pretty sure it's due to being burnt out. I, I said all the classic things, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, and I was getting quite, so oh, I can cope with anything, I can cope, I can cope. And I thought it was a brain thing, of course as we as the book says the body keeps the score and in a situation at work you can be resilient you can cope but there are some times when you actually need to realize that it's not working and there needs to be a shift and that's when the reframing and shall I do a sabbatical shall I have a career change and that's when that I realized this wasn't working for me it wasn't uh, leading me where I wanted to go I was just going to get burnt out exhausted And so I stopped, I literally stopped, had my epiphany and realised that I could take control. And I ended up taking two years and going off to BSO. This was mid 40s. So it's quite a big thing to do. Yeah. So I I, I volunteered in the Philippines. Yeah. So VSO is the volunteer service overseas. Yes. For those that mightn't hear, have know about it. And what did you do in the Philippines for two years? So I worked with the disability sector and I worked with consultants, which is how I got into the sort of project management consultant area. It's a great thing to do, actually. It's, it's really, you can sort of term it as a career sabbatical as well as volunteering. So again, reframing this to make things actually fit into your career and your CV is really powerful. So I did that. And then I was in a library in Manila looking up how to run advocacy groups for people with disabilities they call them PWDs in the Philippines and a book under P or D fell off and it was documentary making and I read it and I thought wow this is fantastic because documentaries or short films are sort of transcend culture they transcend language and different types of people so I just started doing this and this ended up with me doing a master's at Sussex University in digital documentary Wow. (laughs) So from a hospital bed to the Philippines for two years to 
digital documentary masters amazing yeah. yeah and it was and again it was it was quite a surprise but these surprises you can call them epiphanies you can call them I don't know what you call them it's almost like a herald isn't it you know waving a magic wand or something but you could take advantage of it you know deep down what you need to be doing. I was very lucky in the Philippines. I had a coach and that coach was very, very supportive. And I remember the phrase that they kept saying was I would come up with reasons and they would just say, why not? And I go, why not? And when they say why not several times again and again and again, that's when you start to realize that you are actually limiting yourself. You've done that classic thing of putting your own limitations in. So when someone keeps saying, why not? Your excuses seem to just sort of evaporate because you realise that other people have done this and there's absolutely no reason that you can't do this. Whether it's, I've got a house, I've got a mortgage, I've got dogs. There are always solutions. And the why not suddenly made me realise, yes, why not? <laughs> so it's even reframing the why not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. And where do the excuses come? Like, what stops us, Ella? You know, what is in the way? I think it's this little thing about reframing and having a positive outlook, limiting beliefs. We've all heard of that. And these terms get sort of used a lot and we hear them. You're a people pleaser. You've got imposter syndrome or whatever it might be. People tell themselves stories. We, we tell ourselves stories um, and we sort of believe these stories, uh, whether it's, I'm a technophobe, I didn't do very well at school. We tell ourselves these stories and our brain starts to believe them. So it's really, really important just to notice what stories you're telling around yourself because this affects your identity, going back to identity. And one thing um, I noticed about identity is that I've got an identical twin sister. And this is quite interesting because we grew up in the same situation, we've got the same genes. We've, one would think we've got the same skill set, roughly. There's a bit of a debate. And yet we travel our totally separate lives. And this made me realize, gosh, Nancy, my sister, she's created this life. I've created this life. And I just sort of thought, wow, it's actually possible to create different lives for yourselves. The film business has been doing this and making lots of money, proving that people can make different lives and showing films about it. But to actually do this in your own life and think, OK, I'm going to create a slightly different life that's going to really work for me. And that might include revealing a different identity behind the scenes I haven't necessarily revealed before. One of your facets. Yeah. And are you revealing a different identity or are you awakening something that was perhaps dormant within you? Oh, I like that. Yes, absolutely. The phoenix rising out of the ashes. Yes, it doesn't really matter. And this is this is why I love metaphors, because if someone said that, then that's where they would get their passion from, because they would feel that they're waking something up that's been dormant and sleeping. So that would be great for them. So and that would give them the motivation to to, to move forward in a new phase in their lives. Mm. So metaphors storytelling documentary making yeah what have you done with that where did that take you gosh I'm not really sure let's have a think documentary making I suppose I use that in my work in my coaching quite a bit because I'm really interested to hear people's stories and to help them see themselves we've all heard about 
um, The Hero's Journey, perhaps, and Joseph Campbell. It, to see yourself as a heroine or a hero in the journey and to see yourself as actually this will have a positive outlook. This will have a positive, not necessarily solution, but my my journey, my progress. I'm going to see this all positively. I'm not going to waste my life worrying. Gosh, I'm not going to waste my life worrying about my house I can't quite buy. I have to get on. I have one brilliant, oh, I think it was a, a poem I saw recently. You have one wild and precious life. How are you going to live it? So let's not waste time. Let's let's see ourselves in this great story and create our own endings or our, our own journey on that story. So your, I suppose, background in storytelling helps other people to see their life as a story. Is that kind of what you're... A little bit, yes. I mean, my background is quite diverse. I've got a scientific background. I've done um, lots of various things with consumer behaviour and marketing um, and communications. I used to be a nurse. So I've got lots of different elements I can bring in neuro, neuropsychology, neuroscience. And I do believe the story element of the acts that we can take people through. So I suppose it's just something to add to the toolkit that can help reframing, that can help see yourself and give yourself a positive outlook in life rather than tell yourself a story that actually isn't serving you very well. For example, I got married and had children too young. Therefore, I didn't fulfill my potential. And that's that's one story. You could say, I've done this and now I'm ready to do a different phase of my life. And I've got lots of skills I learned by doing that so young. And it's great. And a different story will evolve. Mm. Do we use metaphors a lot as well to describe where we're at yes people do and this is fascinating someone might say I just can't see the wood for the trees and that's a great one because we might say okay well so if you could see the wood for the trees where would you go now some people might see a door if they see a door that would imply that something is shut and then we'll think, what's shut for you? What would you like to be opened? And that might be there's a somebody stopping them at work, someone's blocking them at work. Well, that's how they feel. Someone else might see, oh, I just want the clearing where I can rest and when I can relax. We might look at that and it might be they're overworked. They've taken on too many projects. Let's look at slimming things down and delegating more. So in work, metaphors can be really powerful to understand how they're actually feeling about their jobs. If, even if they can't necessarily tangibly see it, they will come out with some metaphors that will really reveal it for everybody. So is a metaphor almost like a protective mechanism for you yourself if you're going through a difficult situation at work rather than actually acknowledging how you're feeling about it you describe it in that way or that you don't want to go there so you just wrap it into a little phrase yeah I think that's that's a really great great way of framing it actually yes I think there's there's this sort of disconnect between our unconscious and our conscious and that's when you you know the phrase cognitive dissonance comes in and you just get that feeling that uneasy feeling something isn't quite right you don't want to believe it you don't want to believe you've got to address this thing for whatever you might love your work you don't want to believe you're becoming burnt out even though you might be constantly dreaming of little fires that you're putting out in your sleep so these metaphors do come out and and I suppose yes we are revealing in our metaphors what we really think what our unconscious or subconscious is really believing about a situation or about us 
And it's something that I really enjoy doing with people is asking them to think of a metaphor. And they'll come up with some fantastic things. I had someone who was a canary, a yellow canary in a mine. And she was with some bats and the bats were lovely and they're very friendly, but they weren't actually canaries like herself. And she could see through the top of her cave other canaries flying around. So we just sort of worked on that. Well, what message will they give to you? Oh, well, I, I will come out one day and I've just got to wait for my chance. And that was really supportive. And that metaphor really made her realise that in her life she might be surrounded by bats rather than canaries or not enough like-minded people but there was there is a solution she will get through it so yes these these metaphors um, are pretty fascinating and and it's one of the most storytelling element is really creative really fun and it's it's just a great way to reframe your life and 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 how to move forward in your life and do some people struggle with that Some people um, can't naturally get towards a metaphor, but invariably you can help them. Some people will say things like, I've just got to tackle that. And they'll do the the hand hand in the hand. I've got to tackle that. And you've got one people on one side and one on the other. And I've just got to force my way forward. And they'll start using war analogies. And it's pretty evident as I reflect back that they are in a war or a battle with themselves and other people. And so once you've sort of illuminated that, they might not necessarily want to continue with that analogy, but it does shed or shine a light on on how they might be feeling. And actually, if if they're looking for a role or work where they've got to be more collaborative, if they're having problems of being collaborative, to approach meetings in this war terminology and using war metaphors, battle, I've got to battle in this meeting. It's them and us, and they are the enemy. So it's not going to be a very productive meeting. No, it's not, is it? And then that comes as a a surprise. Also to that person, I guess, who never really thought that that's how they thought. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why it's I, I, I love doing coaching because it is incredibly creative and everyone's I can't remember what it's called when you've got that sort of undisclosed area that you don't know about. Is this like in Jahari's window? Jahari's window. Yes. That's right. The, yeah. the bit that you can't see that no one else can see. Yeah. And yeah. there always bits that other people can see that you can't you're not aware of and to have that open-mindedness and to be willing and curious about yourself and actually think I do have these areas that I can't see but someone else has illuminated it so yeah it's great yeah that is fun so it is the beginning of a new year and I think it is a time when people do think about where do I want to be maybe this time next year or at the end of this year or at summer so how does someone start if they're curious about reinventing themselves or creating a different life or a different ending what would you advise them to do Ella? Well I think there's some great tools out there actually Um, there's a really lovely one which I use quite a lot it's called Reason for Being um, and I don't know if you know it, but it's got it's got the areas it's got. So the reason of being in the middle and it's got thing elements like what are you good at? What do you love? What's your purpose? What's your mission? You fill it in. And the whole sort of physicality of writing as well really helps, because, again, it's that, that link between neurology and, and, and physical heart, hands and 
head altogether. And I would say try, look up Ikigaya and try and just fill that out. And that might help you understand areas where you naturally want to follow your passion that will give you an income and a, and a career transition. Another really good one is a spectrum of possibilities. Now, I like this because if you ask people, what would you like to do if you weren't a nurse, whatever, we've got a lot of very disengaged nurses who are really feeling the strain. They might not have any idea because they've been doing it for a long time or have a, a mindset and they're just not sure what they could be doing. If you think, why do you love nursing? And then try and distill that into a purpose. I love nursing because it's caring for people and it's helping people who blah, 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 whatever your reason is. And then if you can actually write different elements or different ways of, of fulfilling that top purpose, one to 10, it's a really powerful way of realizing that you can have a career transition without throwing everything away that you've worked so hard for. So you can still care for people, you can still use your transferable skills, but being a nurse might actually look different if you think of 10 different ways to help people in a medical situation, for example. So yes, it is really digging down deep um, and opening up your mind and your eyes and looking at every opportunity out there so you don't limit yourself inadvertently. Mm. And then talking to people as well, presumably, seeing what other people that you know maybe went and did something else. Yes. Yes, yeah. I think, yeah, this is really interesting as well. I mean, it, we are, see yourself as a project, you know, Project Susan, Project Ella. How would you start this off? Well, you'd do little pilots, wouldn't you? You'd go off and you'd do little tests. And I think in the entrepreneurial world, they call shift projects. So you would go off, you would say, I'm just going to do a short two weeks volunteering with somebody. I'm going to shadow somebody. I'm going to research this. I'm going to pay for a week's tuition in XYZ. Again, the element of surprise, you're adding more surprise into your life. You're reframing things positively. You're trying things out and then see where you are at the end of a, a few weeks or months doing that. And that's your sort of research phase. And I think Again, using that entrepreneurial model at work, there's it's called a double diamond. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. You you diverge and then you converge. Oh yes. And you diverge yes. and you converge. So you've got two diamond shapes. And the first one in diverging, going out, you're exploring as many things as possible. And so you can feel fine about it. You don't have to feel overwhelmed. You don't have to feel I've got to pick the right one. You can diverge. Then you can converge and come back and you can try and focus and think which one suited me, which one and why. And then you might want to look at the possibilities again using this as a focus. So I'm going to try these six so you convert, diverge again and converge. So it's a really useful way of understanding that you, you can look for a lot of different things to start with and not feel indecisive. Again, it's using it's using the skills of a multi-potentialite, really, just gathering up all your skills and just trying different things. And there's also, I think, perhaps asking other people what mm -hmm. your skills are or what they think, three things they can say about you that are positive. Because sometimes it's back to what you were saying about how we don't see things ourselves sometimes that others see in us. And 
I remember doing this exercise where I think 10 people had to give five adjectives that they would use mm. to describe me. And it was amazing how many of them used the same word, even though they used different words, but there was a common theme or thread. And that, that can be really interesting as well. Yes, I think for people to understand their strengths and their qualities is really hard for people. Another free tool, actually, 16 personalities is lovely. It takes maybe 10 minutes to fill out. It gives you a personality profile that's that's grounded in a Jungian archetypes or something. And it's got lots of neuroscience bedded in and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Everything's in there. And I think maybe two million people have tried this out. So it's evidence based and you will pop out with a profile might be a campaigner, might be a mediator, whatever. And it just reinforces, when people read it, it really reinforces their sense of self because they can start to see their strengths and start to believe their strengths and their qualities. And so you're saying sort of ask people, that might be, it's different to asking people, but it's getting that sort of reassurance and confidence about yourself. Gosh, actually, I am good at this. I can do this because people are naturally don't want to boast maybe maybe that's a something in the UK that happens where we don't want to boast and if I ask people what do you like about yourself they will get very very shy so self-confidence is is built on knowing what your best qualities are and if you can't actually identify them or talk about them it's very difficult to be confident so that's a really good way to to feel confident and start looking at how you could look at different careers and revealing different identities that are going to work for you in the future that's lovely and and i think the other great thing about doing these tests these personality mm -hmm. tests as well as you often they often articulate something about you that you know but you just yeah. never knew how to say it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know I've added things into like my LinkedIn profile or my CV that I've taken from some of these tests that I've done over the years, because I would just never have framed it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember one girl, she was sort of saying, I don't want to be known as someone who talks a lot. And just to reframe that using the a campaign sort of uh, phrase was something about you're extremely good at making connections. And she just felt so much better. So, yeah, it's it's called 16 Personalities. Well, I'm sure you'll put it up on. I will. I'll website. put that in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. And the other one I really like is values in action, character strengths. Do you know that one? The VIA. Yeah, that's another one that I really like. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot out there that you can research yourself and just give yourself a bit of a boost. Give yourself a bit of a break, I would say, as well. You don't have to be this perfect person with the big, perfect career. Let's let's use that multi-potential-like phrase and let's let's just try different things and, and shine a different light on, on your the wonderful diamond of your life and shine it onto different people as well. Help other people to reveal their best self. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, it's it's a really I feel like it's taken pressure off this conversation because often we do feel pressure to know what we're going to do next or how we're going to get there and we kind of get ahead of ourselves but I think you've broken this down quite nicely into these are a few things you can do while you're thinking 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, keep up the energy, keep up the motivation, but get the passion behind it and and look for your passions and work them out and just accept that you might have different routes and open up that framework to to be positive and, and have a positive outlook. And this is a funny question, but are you ever too old to pivot or to reinvent Well, this is an interesting question, isn't it? Because age is such a funny thing. I don't feel that we're ever too old to do anything. I never put my age down. When people ask me, I just feel it's where you'd never ask someone their salary. You know, and I just think, you know, people in their 80s doing degrees, doing masters. There are people pivoting really successfully in 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I just think you have got a wonderful life ahead of you. Let's do it now. Let's do it now and attract wonderful people, wonderful opportunities into your life and keep that diamond glowing. Just keep polishing different facets and just it's a wonderful year that we can all start. It's 2022, isn't it? I mean, we can all start this fantastic year on, on the bright side. Absolutely. And that just reminds me there about this time three years ago, my dad, uh, I went for his graduation uh, at 73. He completed a master's. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. So absolutely. I think so much is what do you want to do? What would bring you joy? And even starting from there, it's like anything's possible. And that's a really good exercise. That's a brilliant exercise. That write down now, whoever is listening to this, 10 things that make you happy, that give you joy. And just remind yourself, or even 100, go for it, go for broke. 100 things that give you joy. And you will feel, gosh, I've forgotten all this. And that's just a way to start adding these things into your life again. Yeah, and and it's building those moments in every day as well, isn't it? It's taking time every day to cultivate a bit of joy or gratitude or anything that is going to release those hormones that we talked about right at the beginning, especially if you can't get a surprise. (laughs) The happy hormones for a happy life, yes. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So, Ella, if somebody would like to hear more from you or read more about you, how can they do that? They can get in contact with, with me online, actually, or phone me up. I've got a website, Life Coaching with Ella. And if you just tap in Ella Clark Coach, I'll pop up on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook. So please just, yes, if you want an informal chit chat, uh, go for Ella Clark Coach. Brilliant. A diamond conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of sparkle and joy and a really nice way to start. This is my first recording of 2022. So thank you for making it joyful. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would enjoy it too. I believe we are all entitled to enjoy our work and the future of work life will be changed by those who put people first and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and organisations. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to have covered, guests you'd like to hear from or questions for me, please drop a line to Susan at beyond-thenumbers.com And finally, please consider leaving a review.